Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to a new season of Stop Being the Best Kept Secret Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Tana M. Session, international speaker, best-selling author, HR consultant, organizational development strategist, media contributor, the list goes on. I have a special episode to kick off this new season, and I want you to sit back, get yourself your favorite beverage, depending on time of day, and tune in. I had an opportunity to interview and talk to six white women who are particularly interested in learning what they can do to be true allies to their black friends, black coworkers, just the black community at large. They trusted me to pull them together. None of them know each other. To pull them together to have this open, honest, transparent, and authentic, and in some ways emotional dialogue. So I wanted to share it with you. They gave me permission to record, and I did. Of course, their names are not shared, only their first names, so you won't know who they are. But these are all women who are near and dear to me individually. They reached out to me individually after the George Floyd murder and the protesting that took place and all of the talks and discussions around racial injustice. And they realized that they had power and privilege that they didn't really recognize before, and they want to be able to use it now in a way to help marginalize, in particular, Black people in the workplace, entrepreneurs, and again, just friends uh, that they've known over the years. So I want you to sit back, as I said, enjoy. It's about an hour, uh, but I didn't want to cut any of it out. I wanted everyone to be able to have this uh, as if you were sitting in a room with us. And then post your comments and let me know what you think. I welcome you back to, as I said, the new episode of Stop Being the Best Kept Secret. Stay tuned. Let's go. How did you get Lucky yours done? Where you. are you? We're in Orange County. They opened up yesterday was the first day. Uh, and so I messaged her. I was like, how soon can you get <laughs> Yeah, you see my roots. You're lucky. <laughs> you are lucky. Okay. I'm good. So you guys are based in different parts of the country. I have East Coast and West Coast here, which is great. I'm in the West Coast as well. So this thing is impacting us, of course, around the world now. It's international in terms of what's happening in the protests. But what I want to start off by um, doing is just hearing from you. What were your takeaways on the reading assignments? How did it resonate with you personally, um, with yourself, maybe your family? Did you share it with anyone? Um, so let's, let's dig into that part of it, because I want to lay that foundation. Since each of you have had the same materials to read, I know what those materials are. Um, we're starting from a common ground. Is that fair? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good. Before you start taping, I didn't get a chance to read. It wasn't enough time. I had. A, I was doing the tests. Oh, you were doing yeah. the tests. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> the bias test. Yeah. Do you guys want to start with the bias test then? Because you're right. Yeah. Ariel, I just sent it to you like an hour ago. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. So, were, yeah. I, so I'll, I'll jump in. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about the bias test. I took them both. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm a really, Tana's a really, really good friend of mine. And it was really hard for me to reach out. Like I was crying all morning. My husband's like, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, I don't know what to say, but I just felt comfortable enough. Cause I know you so well. And I was like, well, let me do this. So then when I took the test, I think I went into it like defensive. I wasn't, mm. I don't know. Like I went into it. Like I want to get this right. And I feel like the first time I took it, I didn't answer not, I don't want to say not truthfully, but like when it's, you know, the one about like dark skin and light skin Mm -hmm. for me personally, right. I have so many friends that are light skin and so many friends that are dark skin. And so when I'm thinking about it, 
I'm like, I see them the same. I didn't, I don't see them differently. And so it was actually really, really hard for me to even, um, it was just hard for me to take. Cause it was like, I was uncovering stuff as I was taking it. I'm like, Oh, well, I don't know. And then I'm, I'm thinking, okay, a light skinned person, how do I feel versus a dark skinned person? But then it's like a stranger, a friend, like I was putting so much on it that it was hard for me to take. But at the end of the day, I took one of them twice mm-hmm. and I got different results. Oh, okay. So were you surprised by your results? I was surprised by my results. Yeah. What surprised you? Um, I think it was just, I I guess just feeling really uneducated about it all. Mm -hmm. Like feeling like, I don't know, the biases were, I'm curious to hear everyone else's experience because it was, I felt like it was trying to trick me, right? It's like bad. And then a picture of a black guy and then good. And then a white person. And I was like, Whoa, is this trying to like trick me into answering something one way or another? Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, the second time I took it, I do feel like I got a, a more, um, transparent result. And I, I'm, I feel better about that, but I did take, what was it? The second one was, what was it? Automatic, no, suggested no automatic preference between African-Americans and European-Americans. I'm curious to hear what other people felt Mm -hmm. with the test. Yeah. Who else wants to go? I can go. Um, the, I took the, the African one first Mm -hmm. and my results were that I moderately prefer white people over black people. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it was because I really felt that way or it's because I couldn't figure out what, <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah. So, and then when I did the the brown one, I, it said that I preferred dark-skinned people over light-skinned people. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I it, it made, this whole thing has made me think more about color than I think I did before. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody else feels that way. Yeah, that was the thing about the light skin and the dark skin. I'm like, I don't, I've never even, I had to think, I'm like, what is Tana? Like, what category is she in, right? And I'm like, what about Dana, who's her mm-hmm. husband? Like, well, what category is he in? Mm-hmm. And then it was, you know, I'm envisioning when I'm hearing black skin, light skin, dark skin, light skin, I'm envisioning the people I know that fit that fold. And so, of course, my response is to someone who's dark skin, I'm going to feel the same way. But then I'm like, if it's a stranger, this is a totally different conversation. If it's someone yeah. I don't know, I would feel very differently than I do if it's someone I do know. So there's yeah. no right or wrong, but just no. some thoughts. There isn't. There isn't. Hey, Debbie. Hi. Hi, everybody. I'm Debbie. Nice hey, to meet you. Hi, Ariel. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Hi, Pat. Um, Can you hear us now, Pat? <clears throat> Can you hear us? Oh, I can't hear you. I have you off mute. I don't know why I can't hear you. Um, Let's see. Are you still muted? Unmute. There you go. Pat. I still can't hear you. (laughs) I don't know what's going on. Um, So Debbie, we were just talking about the uh, bias surveys. So did you yeah. get a chance to complete them? Um, I got through the skin tone one, mm-hmm. um, but um, so I, I got invited um, 
this morning and have been on conference calls most of the day, but I got that one in, uh, in between. And it said, it did say I had a, I can't remember what the word was, but it was basically, it was a preference toward white light skinned people. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was a severe one. It was like, I can't remember if it was slight or moderate, mm-hmm. um, which is not how I view myself. So I thought that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and definitely will make me think about how I approach things. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. And Ariel, did you get to complete either one of them? So remember, I just got this an hour ago and yes. I took two of them and my brain was hurting and it looks like I didn't take the same ones. I took one that has bad dogs and good pets. You know which one that is? No. So it uh, indicated which one to take, to take the racial and I know. The skin tone. Yeah. I took the wrong ones, but here's oh. what I'm going to say to you. Okay. The one I did take. So it, it was, you know, they kept flipping positive for dogs, negative for cat. I want to tell you something. I am a cat and dog lover. And this one says I'm associating bad with dogs. <laughs> I'm, I'm like an intense dog. So wait, there's one other thing I want to say, cause I want to tell you about tests. I, when I was at Wells Fargo advisors, we had to take these tests and it was almost the same thing, but it was very long. And we had a coach afterwards mm-hmm. and my results were fairly okay. You know, in the scheme of things, except for one area, which said, gave me some low scores in terms of my, um, I guess, my feelings towards like global people. Meantime, mm-hmm. I've been running the global special interest group for HR New York, NYC Sherm for 15 years. And I travel to, I've been to 27 countries. I mean, it was <laughs> like, so for me, here's my problem. I'd rather talk it out and, and try and be as, as honest as I can because these tests are not working for me. Mm-hmm. I love dogs. Okay. We won't hold it against you. <laughs> but I'm going to take the other ones that I didn't take when we're done. Okay. No problem. And and the reason why, you know, I thought it was important for you guys to take is because it is about having a level of transparency on where your bias lie, because mm-hmm. that's innate. And a lot of times the bias comes from um, our culture, our family, our friends, who we spend the most time with, um, social media and also mass media all of those things impact our biases. And so when I use this with clients, it's always like an aha moment for them and they want to you know, try and beat the test. Yeah. And I say, it's not about beating it. It's about <laughs> really being honest with yourself because if you don't know where your biases lie, then um, your level of self-awareness is very low as a result of that. So you may not know when you're letting your bias cause you to make a decision about someone or something or a thing or a place based on that um, the lack of self-awareness. Um, so I appreciate you guys for taking the test. Thank you for doing that. So let's dive into the articles that you read. So first and foremost, if any of those just really pierced you, I want to start with that one first. And it may be different or the same for each of you. Um, I did. I, I shared those because I felt based on what you guys reached out to me about that they would be good in terms of starting a dialogue and also um, having you be able to see the other side, right? Um, but if any of those really pierce you, um, again, just feel free to, to let me know which one and, and what was it about it. And let's talk about it. I'll say something. I didn't get to read the whole article, but I've been following it. And I, I don't know if I'm right or wrong here. Um, I feel like they were both wrong. 
Which article was this? Well, I'm not, it's, it's about, I'm sorry, um, Cooper, Amy Cooper. Okay. I feel like they were both wrong. Um, I feel like if he didn't put, start to try and record her, mm-hmm. it might've turned out differently. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't agree with what she did. I think it's awful. And she's, she falsified um, the situation. And what she did was just, it was really heinous. I mean, it wasn't very nice. I will say one thing though. Um, when somebody tries to record you, it brings out like this animal in you. It's a little scary. So, you know, I know he was trying to protect himself and I don't blame him one bit because I would be doing the same thing. But unfortunately, two people who randomly, you know, met in the park, wound up in this terrible situation. And I'm not a mediator, but I follow a lot of them. And, you know, it would have been so much better if they both had more self-awareness. But what I really was upset about was that she didn't realize and I didn't realize that making that phone call was bad enough but that she could get him killed. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that really got me. Mm -hmm. I mean, it gets me, I think about it every single day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyone else had thoughts on that one? Um, I had, so I had two and one of them was like the recurring theme that I was feeling called to was uh, white silence. Mm -hmm. And that I think was very eye-opening because a lot of, well, my personal feelings are being scared to say something, being scared to offend people, being scared to say the wrong thing. So then in that fear, I say nothing, which is obviously, um, I think kind of created like a, a you know, a, a problem. Um, so for me, reading that was really, was like, oh, okay. Cause that, that spoke directly to me. I'm like, I have been too silent. So that was one, but the other thing was talking to my kids where it suggested showing them the video. Like, you know, I didn't, but we have a lot of talks with our kids and our kids, you know, you know, my kids, my kids know who you and Dana are. Mm -hmm. Um, We have a very diverse group of friends. So for them, even they, like even having this conversation with them, they're like, why, but why aren't people treated the same? You know? So it's, it was really eye opening. Um, very hard conversations to have because I don't feel like I have the right words to yeah. say. So that's kind of been my struggle is what do I say? What do I do? Um, and that's just really where I'm coming from right now. I want to say everything, but then I, I don't because right. I want to be careful and say the right thing. Um, so silence for me is a big issue. Yeah. Yeah. And that can be misinterpreted. So yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. What about we you, Debbie? tend to be silent when we're scared of something. Right. Remember, or I said that this morning. To say, yeah, mm-hmm. we're scared to say the wrong thing. I mean, as an HR professional, that's why people don't do performance reviews. Yeah. You know, they're scared to tell someone they did something wrong. That's right. Um, and I'll, I'll just say, as a Jewish female, I worked in um, a company that was mostly not, and my team were, you know, like at Easter time, they didn't really ask me about Passover. They were celebrating baby Jesus. And so was I with them. And then all of a sudden, one of my friends, you know, the colleague said, oh, what do you do on on Easter? And I'm thinking, but I'm Jewish. So wouldn't a better 
question to be, you know, we know that you have a holiday now, will you tell us about it? Mm -hmm. So I think that if people were more self-aware and, you know, it's a simple question, right? Yes. Asking a simple question, tell me about it. Tell me about your family. Tell me about where you, you know, your, your heritage. I mean, we're doing 21 and me and, you know, all the genealogy, genealogical stuff. And I'm so interested in that. I want to know. So I, I think that if we can change that and, and make it easier and give people better questions to ask that will educate them. Yeah, I, I agree. Makes- I think educated and, and knowing what to say. That's why we're talking to you, right, Tana? Yeah. So we can know what to say to help make a difference. I saw some, I just want to share this with you guys. I don't know. I watched channel, channel four, the third hour with Chanel and Craig. And do you guys watch that? Yes. So yesterday, I think it was, and I had to be on a meeting like this and I was trying to put my makeup on and she had me on the edge of ready to just break down and like, sob hysterical because she was trying to have a conversation with her kids and they're they're young where they don't know differences yet so well why because why did this happen because he's brown we're brown is that going to happen to us you know and it just was so like and their questions were so innocent and so like you know this is well why didn't he just go to jail if it was just a counterfeit 20 dollar bill that's silly you know and it was and she had such a hard time talking to her kids and yeah i lost it but it, so I guess I think what we all agree and why we're here is just what can we do and how do we educate ourselves? Okay. What about you, Debbie? Yeah, so I, I also did not have a chance to read the articles in full. That's it's fine. definitely stuff that I've been scrolling through um, a little bit on social media. Cat, similar to you, it's a struggle of like, so I, I have like two kind of worlds going on. I have my personal world and my professional world, because I'm also in HR. And I think there are a lot of places where they come together and you can say the same things. But when you're in the workplace, sometimes you have to be a little, or maybe not, Tina, I'd be interested uh, for your perspective on this, but I think there are places where you have to try to be pretty neutral. I mean, I'm not talking about like hearing something that is clearly offensive. Like I'm clearly going to put a stop to that Mm -hmm. and call people out when they make what they think are harmless comments all the time, which is really awkward over Zoom, by the way, (laughs) Um, as opposed to being in a regular room. Um, But then in my personal life, um, we also have a pretty diverse um, community that we live in. Um, So, and my kids are young. And if I grew up in a house where it really wasn't a, a conversation Um, and I've definitely seen that over time, the way that I approach thinking about race is very different from my family. Mm. Um, so I've tried to do different things with my kids. Um, and they're young, they're, they're eight and now four, um, the four-year-old just doesn't really understand anything at this point, but my eight-year-old is very in tune. Um, and we did start having a conversation about what's going on last night um and that people are upset because there are some people out there that will not treat people the same way and they're they're not being kind because of the color of people's skin and my eight-year-old who is um who is on in the uh trans uh gender non-conforming cohort 
gets what that is, but is like, but I don't understand. Like, why, why would people do that just because someone has a different skin color? And like, it was bothersome enough that the poor child marched into my room at 1230 at night being like, mommy, I can't sleep. And we had to talk about it in the middle of the night. Um, and it breaks my heart that I have to have that conversation with my kid, but it also makes me think about, you know, we have a privilege that we're having this conversation about being advocates for others. And the idea of some of my close friends having to have this conversation with their kids about being protective of themselves, like it's a whole different level. Absolutely. For sure. For sure. Great. And what about you, Pat? I'm glad your mic's working now. (laughs) Is it work? Maybe not. She can hear us, but we can't hear her. And she says her mic says she's unmuted. Yeah. Okay. So let me dive into um, the Amy Cooper situation, right? So you're right, Ariel. I can definitely see both sides of the coin there with her and and Christian. Um, But a lot of times we do, and I'm going to say we Black people, of course, I'm not speaking for every single one of us, but for those within my purview and for what I know historically. Um, a lot of things are coming to light now because we have video. We have learned that we have to use video as proof of what we're experiencing because when we report it or tell others, they don't believe us. Or they'll say, it couldn't have been that bad. Or they'll say, she didn't really mean that. Or I don't think that was her intent. Or maybe you scared her. You know, you're a black man in the park. Well, it's daylight and there's other people in the park. Um, so a lot of times those types of things are like, uh, they're microaggressions. And, and I shared this with a group this morning where it's like you're getting cut with these little fine paper cuts over and over and over again. And, you know, you have this instant pain. So if you imagine the last time you got a paper cut and you got an instant pain, a little sting, and you maybe put your finger in your mouth to stop it and the sting went away. Well, we had those types of things happening to us as a people for centuries. So it's in our veins, it's in our DNA. Um, and, And what we're seeing right now is the reaction of, we're not gonna let this happen again to us. How many more videos do we have to show you? We thought it would change with Rodney King. That was the first time we had like real video of you know police brutality against a black person, excessive force. They got away with it, right? And that was the interpretation back then. So now we do use video as a way of protecting ourselves. You know, even though the police have body cams, sometimes they have them on, sometimes they don't. Then we don't know, we don't trust the video when they do release it because it, oh, it was probably edited. Um, so that's why. Yeah, you're right. It probably made her very agitated. I'm certain that she was being recorded. Um, But her reaction in terms of using her privilege as a weapon um, is what the real issue was in that situation. Because you're right, at the end of the day, if the police had come and he had tried to explain what was happening, he probably would not have had a chance to really have his voice heard and it could have ended violently or fatally. Um, So that's why you know, that happened. And then we had Breonna Taylor. I don't know if you know about her in, in um, was it Kentucky? I think it was uh, first responder sleeping in her home. 
They had a <clears throat> do not do not knock uh, a petition to enter enter the, the uh, place of residence. They had the wrong address, and they killed her in her sleep. Oh my god! And then we had George Floyd. So it was just like a trifecta of things that happened in such a short period of time. And then we had Ahmaud Arbery that happened back in February, but that just came to light. And we're like, okay, what in the world's going on here? And then we have COVID-19 that is disproportionately attacking the black community because of underlying health conditions that are predisposed in us because of how we live, where we live, um, how we got to this country. So it's just a, a mushroom of uh, emotions right now that, that you're seeing. Now, as I said earlier, and like I said on the news, there's some bad apples out there. And no, I don't think anyone really supports what's going on with that, no matter what your skin tone is. Um, but the intent and the purpose behind the protests and the anger and the frustration and the, the fear um, really has been centuries in the making. Um, the last time this happened at, at this level was during the civil rights era. Then it happened again during the LA riots. It happened in Chicago. It happened after Martin Luther King was shot. Um, you know, so it was like these pivotal moments of unjust uh, social uh, injustice that injustice that was happening that resulted in the communities coming together and voicing their opinions in the only way they felt would be heard and hoping to have change. Now. Some people have said, well, we had a black president, so that's proof that there's no racism in America. That's proof that um, everything's fine. That's another microaggression because we hung on to that hope too, but there was no change as a result of it. Um, so again, uh, you know, it's like a dream deferred and it just keeps happening to us over and over and over again. Um, so that's a lot of what you're hearing. Now, what I commend each of you ladies for is that you want to have the conversations you want to have the language you want to know you know what's the right thing what's what should i stay away from um so i want to open the floor to you to say ask me those questions that you're thinking about asking someone that you know who looks like me and i can talk you through that because you're right you have to have the tools because if not it does cause analysis paralysis which is what you're seeing with a lot of people not just yourselves i mean companies even have reached out to me about how should we talk about this should we talk about this what should we say should we mention the protesters should we not mention the protesters right so this is uh like building a new muscle because it's things that probably didn't have to deal with before you know george floyd ahmaud arbery brianna taylor um christian cooper the the list is so long. <laughs> Those are just the ones that happened in the last week. Um, but this happens in our community time and time again. And sometimes it makes the news, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes there's protests and marches from Black Lives Matter or other organizations about social injustice. Sometimes there isn't. Sometimes we just throw our hands up and say, okay, we already know how this is going to end, so what's the point? And we just go on with our lives. Um, but that's not a way to live either because that trauma lives with you day in and day out. And, and that's what you're seeing again with, with these, these kids, and I'm calling them kids because a lot of them not my age, but <laughs> that are out here right now um, voicing their pain and, and basically saying, we're just not gonna tolerate again. The good thing and the blessed thing that I say and I see that's happening is that it is opening the doors for communications and you are seeing more people who don't look like us out there with us for the same purpose, same intent, even forming lines of protection between the black people and the black protesters and the police 
uh, which I think is fantastic. I don't want anyone to get hurt. My son was out there on Saturday and I was nervous all day until he came home. But um, but I also get it, um, you know, why he felt the need to be there and, you know, wanting to be a part of change and saying it's because I was out there that this happened. And, and that's what happened during the civil rights era. It was that young group of people that made that change happen. Now we're like, okay, it's 50 years later, we're ready for the next phase. Like we tolerated that and we, we, you know, we swallowed it, but we're done. We don't want to have to do that anymore. We want to really be equal. And that's what this is all about is just being equal. So I'm open up the floor and hopefully Pat, can you talk and let me see if I can hear you? Or can you hear us? No? We can, oh, sorry. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. <laughs> she could dial in maybe. She could dial in, yeah. Um, so I'll open the floor and let you ladies ask questions. Um, things that are, you know, top of mind for you, um, things that perhaps if you could think of someone in your network, in your friend zone that you are thinking about reaching out to, but haven't because you're not certain what to say or how to say it, or even how to, should you say it, or should you even broach it, or is it too late? Um, this is, this is your opportunity to ask me, use me as a guinea pig. <laughs> so I have two people. Oh, go ahead. No, it's okay. Go ahead. I have two people. One is like my best friend, one of my three best friends. Um, and you know what? We never really talk about this stuff. She doesn't ever seem too bothered by it um, once in a while, but I do want to see how she is. And I'm going to speak to her on Saturday in our biweekly um, Zoom call with our other friend. But I thought about it after you spoke this morning and, you know, I do want to ask her, but I don't want her to say, oh, come on, Ariel, or I don't want her to get, I don't think she's going to get insulted. I don't think, I just want to make sure I'm asking the right way because mm-hmm. um, she's hard to read sometimes, <laughs> um, but I wanted to take it the right way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I just feel funny. How are you doing? You know, some people would take it as, well, I'm not out there in the street and other people. So I don't really know what she's thinking. Mm-hmm. What do you think I should say to kind of get the conversation going? Yeah, no. And I think it's good that, again, that you're even thinking about that. Right. And the fact that you know that she's usually like, oh, it's OK. Um, that's a defense mechanism. We put that up. Yeah. Right. Um, I think it's fair to reach out to her and not even ask, how are you doing? Because that's what everyone's doing right now. Right. And just say, I just want to have a conversation with you and hear how can I help you right now? What can, what can, how can I serve you? How can I be a voice for you? I have a voice. I want to use it. Um, help me understand how I can do that for you and see if she's open to that because that changes the dynamic of the conversation. It makes it about right. her, right? right? And hopefully she'll open up and say, you know what, here's what this feels like. Um, you know, and I think some people are trying to isolate it around George Floyd. Um, but as I said, the, we have a list of names <laughs> that we could drop right now in terms of hashtags, you know, but um, being able to, to have that active listening around the fact that this is beyond George Floyd Um, yes, this is the catalyst for where we are right now, but it goes so much further and deeper than that. Um, but I think that's one way to really hopefully get her to open up and start to, um, to share. And it may not happen the first time. Um, and I, as I said on the call today, it's a little bit of getting to know, like, where's this going and, 
trusting it, right? And knowing like, okay, I tell you how I'm feeling. I spill my heart out and then what? Like, do you use it against me? Um, No, but then what? What do I do? I mean, I've known her for years. There's three of us. It's Mm -hmm. me, our Hispanic friend and the black friend. And it's like the three amigos. Yeah, I was going to say, you guys are the three amigos. (laughs) We are. And... Probably we'll talk about it Saturday, yeah. but I wanted to talk to her personally. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know what I can do, but I know that I try and keep an open mind. Mm-hmm. And I learned so much just from this morning from you mm-hmm. and now that it's not even funny. I mean, I didn't even think about the recording and why. Mm-hmm. And just all the things, like the more we speak to people, mm-hmm. the more we should, you know, we learn. Yeah. And that, that's what I said this morning. It's all about getting the lines of communications open and being open to not having your own agenda. Um, you know, some people are like, oh, you know, my friend called me and they were crying. It's like, okay, they've already shut down. Cause they're like, I don't need you crying for me. I need you to hear what my pain is and, and where I'm coming from and why I empathize with what's happening right now versus like, oh my God, I'm so devastated. I can't believe this is happening. Um, you know, so again, just, you know, yeah, just having that conversation. And, you know, it may take a couple of tries. Like I said, sometimes, you know, like teenagers, it takes a while to get more than one word out of them. Um, so it may take you more, you know, more tries to get more than one word out of her too. But I think when you guys seem to have a good relationship, I think, you know, she'll be able to read your heart and she'll know that this is sincere and that it's empathetic and that you're coming from the right place and from a, a real authentic place with her. Um, and that's why I like the idea that you said you, you don't want to wait until it's the three of you. Just do it one-on-one with her, right? Because yeah. this is, everyone keeps saying black and brown people. This is a black person problem. It really, really is. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Sure. Who's next? <laughs> so I actually, that what you just said about this is a black person thing was going to be this may sound a little silly, but a real fundamental question, because when I grew up in the late 80s and early 90s, black was not the word you used. Yep. It was African-American. And there's been a shift back, I think, for many people, but not all. And now we have person of color as well. Mm-hmm. And in, in all the rhetoric, I don't want to use the wrong thing. Yes. Perfect question. What are your thoughts? <laughs> Perfect question. Perfect question. And I think the, the fair question is to ask, I want to make sure I'm, res- I'm respectful. So please tell me which do you prefer, African-American or Black? Because you're right. There's a, a group that's on one side right now, <laughs> and there's a group that's on another, you know, even in my own circles. And people of color actually waters down the conversation because now you're being more of a collective. Now you're talking about Asian American, Indian American, um, Latinx American and blacks. And it's like, this is not all their problem. So when you say people of color, it really, it it puts you in the center of the playing field. It's almost like you want to sit on the 50 yard line and not move. Like, no, we need you to move a little bit, (laughs) you know, and don't just dip, dip your toe in it. You're going to have to jump in the deep end. Um, so you have to jump on that side and that side has to be the black, AKA African-American. Um, so back in the seventies, it was about black power. You're right. And then in the eighties, it switched to African-American and just in the last probably 10 years or so, and especially around a lot of the, um, you know, the black lives matter movements, et cetera. That's when they, we really started embracing the fact that it's black, we're black. Um, mm-hmm. 
so that's, I think is fair is to ask the question out of, to say, you know, I just want to be respectful and let me know which do you prefer, African-American or black, um, and then let them decide. I'm fine with either, um, but I feel like in this uh, culture that we're in right now, um, everyone's rallying around black. But depending on who you're talking to, their age group, what their comfort level is even, um, they may say, no, nope, I like African-American because it's, it's, it's a little softer, to be honest with you. It's a little softer. Okay, thank you. That's really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a follow-up question to that. Sure. Um, and this is kind of at the corporate level. Um, my company wants to do something. Okay. Um, and they drafted some, someone drafted something and sent it to me to look at. And it's all POC. And I was like, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't think that's the right sentiment here, A. Um, and B, I'm not the person who should be opining on this. I don't think I have the right, I, I think it has to come from someone who has the current experience, not the white person with privilege um, who's reviewing it. Um, but okay, all I needed to see was your reaction to the, uh, the, P- the POC piece to gut check myself on whether or not that was uh, problematic. So it will be, I can tell you. Yeah. I don't know how many African-American or black employees you have, but what we're going to see with that is probably that this isn't really about me then. It's about everyone else that's not getting killed by the police. It's about everyone else that's you know not experiencing this type of level of racism in this country. The history of the racism in this country is about black people. So I think the message will get lost and it's just going to be like, you know, it's going to be like, here we go again. They don't get it. Right. <laughs> That's going to be the reaction. Like, here we go again. They just don't get it. Right. Oh, well, you know, and now they feel devalued yet again. There's that microaggression yet again, that little night uh, cut with the paper that again. And then we go home and we lick our wounds and we come back the next day and smile and act like everything's okay when it's really not. But the problem is we don't know what to say. So where do we find out what to say? It's not like you can put talking points in the New York Times and say, hey, everybody, you know, if you want to use these, you know, it's like, where do you learn it from? And, you know, Debbie, you're asking, but there's millions mm-hmm. of companies out there that aren't and they're just putting stuff out. Yeah. So it's like, it gets me so frustrated, you know, like where can we learn the right thing to say, whether we're white or black or Hispanic, we have to know what the right thing is. Yeah. And you're right. Now there are tons of resources. Like the stuff I share with you guys is just a sample of what's available, but Having someone, again, this is where expanding your network is going to help be helpful, right? So I shared with you guys this morning that 90% of the people that we spend our time with are people who look like us. So if that's the case, then you won't have that exposure. You won't know what's appropriate, what's not. You won't know what's acceptable and what's not. If you're not expanding your horizons, your own personal network to say, hey, like your friend, let's say her name is Peggy. Hey, Peggy, you know, my company's thinking about doing this. What do you think? Uh, yeah, you probably shouldn't use people of color. And here's a reason why. Oh, great. I'm going to take that back to HR. I'm going to take that back to my manager and tell him, I don't think you should use it. And here's the reasons why. I spoke to someone from that community and this is how this is going to land with the employees. And they're going to think it's just fluff and that you're just doing it because you feel you have to, not because you're sincere. So now it's about education and teachable moments. Um, but yeah, there's, there's tons of resource out there, honestly. 
as well as, as I said, expanding your own personal network. So you have the diversity of people that you can tap into. Next week, it might be something that's happened in the Asian community or the uh, Latinx community. And, you know, being able to kind of reach out to those people for guidance, for running things by them, or just saying, you know, I got some questions. Can I ask? Is it okay? How do you feel about that? Um, I want to learn, right? Um, then that that's going to be helpful too, because now you're really getting it from a true source that will be impacted or has been. And hopefully they'll listen. Hopefully they'll listen, mm. but not everyone will. <laughs> <laughs> so kind of off topic, but how do you think the police, I saw footage today of a police officer um, pretty much attacking a, a, a photographer in DC. So what do you think is happening with the police? Do you think they're just scared to death of what's going to happen happen next? I mean, it's just it just seems absolutely insane what's going on. Yeah, I think there's a lot of fear factor there. But in a lot of cases, when there was violence against Black people, that was one of the things they said was that they feared for their life. Um, mm. So in a lot of ways, we dismiss that as that's easy out. So I think it's lack of training. I think it's, um, you know, some some renegades that are out there, just like there are renegades that are out there with the protesters. Um, so I think that there needs to be some retraining, re-education, um, understanding uh, about bias, understanding the history of the police in this country and how that has never been positive for Black people. Um, back to the slavery days and when slaves would escape, the people that went after them ended up being the police. So understanding that whole history and why, you know, we have to have the talk with our child when they are, you know, before they even get to middle school about what to do and how to behave when you are encountered by a policeman. Um, you know, telling our sons not to wear their hoods up on their hoodies uh, because we don't want them to be considered a threat or mistaken identity. So, you know, having those conversations, I remember having them with my son when he was like 11. And he told me, mom, you're a racist. And I said, no, I'm a realist. And one day you're going to find out that what I'm telling you is true. And I said, I'm in HR. I, I, I'm telling you what I know because I know how this is going to impact you as a black man in America. And I remember when I was pregnant with, with my son and before I knew he was a boy. And when I found out he was a boy, I was so excited because I wanted a boy. And then when I gave birth to him and he was laying on my chest, the first thing I said was, I have to protect you because you are going to be a black man in America. I said that to him when he's laying on my chest right, right out of the womb, because that's how real this is for us in terms of what we deal with. And black women have it better in a lot of ways than black men. We have to support them on a whole nother level because when they go out in the world, they're facing different situations, more violent, more discriminatory than a lot of us as black women. So we have to make sure that when they come home, it's a haven for them because they're at war when they walk out in the street at any given moment. My husband and I go walking in our neighborhood. We live here in Pasadena. And I noticed yesterday when we came in, we've been doing this since the pandemic started. And I just happened to notice his ID on the counter. And I said, Dana, you take your license with you when we go walking? And he said, well, it's not my license, it's my state ID. And I said, really? I said, I don't take anything. And he's like, well, you're a black woman. I'm a black man. He's like, I've been taught ever since I was little, don't leave the house without some ID, even if it's your school ID, in case the police stop you. And I was like, oh my God, I never thought about that. And I said, should I start carrying my ID? And he said, under the circumstances, you probably should. So things like that, where there's a difference even between black men and black women, that we have to learn how to navigate in relationships with our children and with our, our brothers and, and uncles. 
Um, so those are all of the things, again, as I said, that you're seeing bubbling to the surface right now. Sure. So what are the questions? I'm gonna jump in because Go I'm, gonna I'm, gonna, I'm gonna share a little bit of an experience and then I'm gonna ask for feedback. So um, first, I'm so sorry. When I reached out to you, Tana, I was very self-centered. It was very much like, hi, can you help me find the right words to say? So I apologize. How are okay. you? I hope you're okay. I have since started reaching out to other people asking, how are you? Um, but, you know, I had to say something. I had to get in front of my audience because I didn't want to stay silent. So I put up a post and I just want to share the experience with you. The okay. experience was like chaos. It was supportive. Um, it was other black women like, thank you for speaking up. I got a lot of thank you for speaking up for black women. And that was like, holy crap, I cannot be silent anymore. That's so unfair. Um, and then I got a lot of shit from people. I got unfollowed by a lot of people. We got personal text messages. I got personal private messages. Some were negative. Some were like, oh, you inspire your post inspired me to speak up more. And others were like, you're wrong. That's not what happened. You know, did it, you know, excuses, excuses, excuses. Yep. And at the end of the day, I looked at Brian and I was like, holy shit, this is one day and I'm exhausted. Like, I'm so tired. I'm like battling people. Like you're, you know, like you are seeing this. Like, what oh my gosh, Kana. And I said to Brian, I swear to God, I'm like, and this is me doing this for one hour of one day. And like, I couldn't even imagine what it would be like. And I was called a social justice warrior, white woman who needs to stay out of it by some other, you know, um, and so in that experience, obviously my, the feeling that I got from all of that, like what's the learning moment that I take away is one, silence is the wrong, like it, it was like so many women of color were like, thank you for speaking up. I'm like, that's all they wanted me to do. They just want us to speak up for them and help them and be a voice for them. Um, and it was at the same time, it was empowering, but it broke my spirit. I was like, I cannot believe that for this, this, this much happened for something that was so small. So at the end of the day, how do I keep going? Do I keep pissing people off and just keep, keep, cause I think that's the answer is it's more people with my colored skin speaking up and telling people, Hey, no, you're actually wrong. You're looking at this wrong. And I'm trying to come from a lens of perspective put yourself in their shoes. How would you feel? Cause I did that for one freaking hour. And I was like, Oh my God. And then I said, I was like, I need to do this more yeah. because they need backup. Like you guys are probably exhausted trying to fight this fight on your own. So long story, like is my, my pathway forward is action and voice, I guess. Yes. So it is a marathon, not a race. Yeah. Um, and you're right. These are, things that we have been dealing with. And that's why I said, we can't live it and defend it. We can't do it by ourselves anymore. And, and, and yes, we need the support and thank you for that. And we need more like you and we don't need you to just do it once and go away because that's the other thing, right? It's like, okay, you did it because of what's happening. Okay, great. You might be mad because Target got burnt down. Okay, great. Now what are you going to do? Are you going to go back to your little bubble now and back to your 90% of people who look like me group or are you really going to be in it for the long run with us and really be a champion of change? Because you do have the privilege and the voice to impact and influence change. You have a platform, you have the right skin hue to do that. Um, you know, I can sit here and talk about this on every single news channel in the world, but 
if they see me saying it, they're like, oh, okay, she has an agenda. Okay, yeah. she, it's something in it for her. Whereas it's something like where you're sitting on that stage is different. It changes the dynamic. It changes the active listening. Uh, defenses go down. Um, you know, so yeah, I think uh, I commend you <laughs> for for stepping out there and doing it. But it was the right thing. You know, I always believe in following your heart. I'm so glad you did that. And yeah, you're going to have the naysayers and the haters and the people that are going to block you and unfollow and send you all kinds of messages. Deuces, right? Deuces. I don't want, if you're racist, if Black Lives Matter offends you, see yourself out. (laughs) We're not the right people for each other. Yeah. And you know, people hide behind, I'm not a racist. I'm not like, okay, but you're not anti-racist. And that's where the real work is, right? That's where the work is. That's where the rubber hits the road right there. Where you stand up for injustice, you speak out, you help, you lend a hand, you be that voice when we are voiceless. Um, you say what you won't tolerate, who you won't do business with. Um, you know, like, you know, uh, about a year ago, Goldman Sachs said they weren't going to let any company come through them that didn't have a female on their board. Something simple like that. You know, what a difference that makes now for, oh, well, companies want to have the Goldman Sachs seal behind them when they go to the stock market and they can't or they don't have a female on the board. One simple thing that that CEO said, and this changed the types of businesses that they're they're working with now. So every little action, every little voice, and someone said, well, it's just me. Great, that's where it starts. <laughs> it doesn't have to be a movement. The movement is you. <laughs> I have a comment. I, you know, there's so many haters. <laughs> I I used to read just from my own, I'm, I'm from, I'm half Israeli and there's a whole bunch of stuff going on there. And when people post, I used to read some of the stuff and I wanted to throw up. And then my friend told me, and I've, and I've never done it since. He said, do not read anything that anyone other than you know, you know, because there are just people out there who thrive on hate Yes, and there are troublemakers. And so, and, and we call those the outliers, right? So if you got all of those positive, you know, hang on to that. (laughs) <laughs> right feedback. Those that people are outliers. I would just unfriend them. That's period. Right. I mean, go away. So that that's yep. the you know like, one thing. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, don't pay attention. Mm-hmm. You do yeah. what you feel. You see celebrities. Way. Celebrities say it all the time. Where you know they post something and they have all these yeah. people who say great things, and then it's like this one person comes in negative, and they're like, "Why do I feed into that?" You know. You can't yeah. Delete. I'm like block, delete, unfollow. It's very simple. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure people aren't happy with the stuff I've been posting and that's okay, you know, because I, I people know I'm diversity and inclusion and then buy unconscious bias. Like they know the work I do, but the, the stand that I took and I actually, I had to lean into my own courage, um, you know, a couple, a few days ago. And, so, and I read about my husband. I was like, I said, I don't usually post something like this on LinkedIn. You know, I have a different, a different tribe over here. And he was like, are, is this who you are? And I said, yeah. And he said, then you need to do it because, you know, they're looking to you for guidance. You can't hide behind, like, what if they don't like what I say? And he was right. And it, it took off like wildfire. I mean, it was one of my most popular posts I have put up there. And it wasn't any, one person said one thing negative, but the rest of it was so positive to the point where I, I started to feed into it. And I said, nope, that's not where I'm going to spend my energy. And I didn't. Is that the one that I responded to? Is that how yep. we got our conversation? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and that's my business page. I run a staffing agency for Hi. bankers and bankers are white old men. So yeah. 
I don't, I want to respond to you and I want to say stuff on LinkedIn, but I'm just, I'm terrified Mm -hmm. that like you said, it's just going to start this amazing shit show. And I don't, (laughs) I don't want, I don't want that. So how do you, how do you suggest navigating social media when it's, when it's your, like you, it's your business? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, you know, you have to know what your brand is, right. And what do you want to be known for? So you know, I get it if people are cautious about putting themselves out there because they worry about the impact it may have on their business or, you know, even their families for that matter. I get it. And that means, okay, you need to do it another way. Maybe you mm-hmm. donate to a charitable cause that is supporting social injustice. Um, maybe you support a friend or a colleague or an associate um, that's out there fighting the good fight. Um, in whatever way, shape, or form that is. So there are other ways to do it. I I know social media is the quickest, easiest, and fastest way, but that doesn't work for everyone. So I'm sensitive to that. Um, I think you have to, like I said, you have to kind of know where your comfort level is and where you feel like you can still implement change in some way using your voice and your privilege to do so. I think you can disagree as long as it's respectful discourse. Mm-hmm. What's the point of just agreeing with someone or not saying anything? I do I do think that LinkedIn is maybe a little bit more um, subtle. I mean, maybe it's not as noisy. Like, right. It's not as noisy as like Twitter and Facebook mm-hmm. and even Instagram. I feel like so, you know, I haven't seen anything really bad on LinkedIn. Um, it can get ugly. It really can. Really? Yeah, it's it's sad just to see. I don't know if you know Bridget Hyacinth. She's on a yep. lot. She does a lot of stuff, and and people will will say nasty things to her, and it's just like, why? You know, all yeah. she's doing yeah. is spread. We're trying to spread love, right? right. And, and education. Are, yeah, spreading hate. And I do want to say, Tana, I did my very best to get as much diversity as inclusion as I could as a recruiter at the bank I worked at. Good. Good. <laughs> And Pat, I know you said you, I'm, I'm reading your comments here, that you will do the items on the 75 articles. Okay, good. So she read that one, that article. And she says uh, she has 16-year-old twin nieces. They have been educated on history. So she's going to check in with them, um, but don't know where they are on current events. And she's also going to check in with some friends. One friend, she's already done it. And she's constantly on Instagram. <laughs> and she said, on my LinkedIn comment, Leon. Leonard Sello Webb. He is an interesting guy in Maryland. I connected with him a year ago. Okay. All right. Anything else you want to put in there, Pat? Because we still can't hear you. <laughs> I'm sorry you're not feeling well. <laughs> okay. All right, ladies. So any other questions, comments, concerns? We're almost at the two o'clock hour of my time. But I want to leave you guys full. I want to, I want to leave here empty <laughs> and pour into you. You know what? You made it a safe place. Yeah. I just want to say thank you. Cause I needed, I needed this. And I don't know how the other women feel. They but did like, too. <laughs> okay. Cause I was looking forward to it and I feel yeah. more empowered to one, use my voice and two, help educate other people with my skin color because they've been coming to me like, well, what do I do? And they don't have a Tana. So right. I'm like, I got you. I got links and resources. Don't you worry. Right. <laughs> Um, so just like deepest gratitude. Thank you for taking the time to do it. I so appreciate you. I love you. I'm not going to cry. No, you're not. No, you're not. Cause I still have all my makeup from my morning show and I, I got to take some selfies. (laughs) (laughs) Any final comments, words, or thoughts, takeaways? No, I didn't wake up this morning thinking that I was going to hear you twice in one day. Yeah. Look at you. And you know what? I'm really grateful. It's been 
an amazing day. And the fact that you're making it so safe and comfortable for us to thoughtfully figure out what to do, what to say, how to say it. Um, and I'm going to call you if I have a question. Please do. <laughs> <laughs> you know where to find me now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love it. You said yep. champions of change, Tana. And champions that is what I of change, yes. And, and being an ally, right? And an ally is not, allyship is not being about self-guided. It's not about, oh, I'm going to figure this out and see what I can do. It's like what you're doing right now. It's like tapping into the marginalized people to find out what allyship looks and feels and needs to be for them in this situation. And, and hopefully those are some of the tools that, you know, you guys are walking away with today. So I appreciate you, um, yes. again, just trusting me with this space and, you know, reaching out to me proactively and, you know, for those that ask questions, I say, Hey, you might want to join. It's like, yeah, sign me up and you're here. So <laughs> I commend you for that because that to me says that, you know, you are coming from a true authentic place and, and that allows me to be my true authentic person uh, here with you today. So I thank you for that. Thank you, Tana. Thank you so much. Group hug. Love yes. today. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Tana. Sure. Please share those resources. Yes. Nice to meet you, everybody. Nice to meet you guys. Stay connected. Let's make sure yes. everyone. Yes. Yeah, I want to connect with all of you. Yes. yes. All right. Definitely. Bye. Bye. Take care. Bye. Take care. Bye.